0: Is your accounting firm ready to deliver a modern client experience while improving your staff's efficiency? ShareFile wants to help your business grow with user-friendly workflows and world-class security. You'll find new ways to exceed client expectations during tax, audit, and advisory engagements. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor ShareFile later in the episode.
1: But yeah, with my packages, I I try to I try to design my packages to where the middle package is the best looking one and the least amount of work. So (laughs) I try to maximize profits, minimize capacity, essentially with that middle package. If you'd like
0: to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm Blake Oliver, joined today by Logan Graff. Hey, Logan, how you doing? What's up, Blake? Hey, everyone. So great to have you on the show. We're talking today about getting ready for the 2024 tax season. And Logan, you just did a live stream on your YouTube channel all about this, what you're doing I mm-hmm. love the transparency. You are so open about what you're doing in your practice since you started it. Uh, I believe that was 2020. You went out on your own and started your tax practice.
1: Yes, sir. 2020 launched about in the summer after purchasing some clients from a previous firm I used to work for, and uh, it's been it's been great so far. Having a great time. Your firm is the Tax Graph or the Graph Tax Co.
0: PLLC, Mm -hmm. you are a CPA. You're based in Austin, Texas. You've got a master's in tax from Texas Tech, Mm -hmm. and tell me about your firm. You started. You were on your own. It was just you. Is that still the case?
1: Yeah. So right now, I have a contractor that has pretty much been with me from the start. I actually used to work with them at my first job, and then I just hired my first employee over the summer, Gary. And uh, completely transparent about that process as well uh, in in some of my videos. So like I'm an open book when it comes to running my firm. No secrets here. I think that's what I just put on my YouTube description. (laughs) No secrets.
0: That's great because I feel like a lot of times when we talk about our firms in the accounting profession, we always, like there's there's this tendency to like, I don't know, make everything look better than it really is. and when I had my firm, you know, I know that a lot of it was like sort of an organized chaos, and, uh, but people don't, you know, that historically haven't wanted to share that aspect of it, or even stuff like, you know, how much do I charge for my services, or how much money do I make? And the video on your YouTube channel that really caught my attention when you first started doing this was you shared exactly how much money you made in your first year in practice. And I'd never seen anyone do that openly before. And it was hugely popular. And I found it fascinating.
1: Y'all plugged it too. Uh, I I know y'all did, y'all talked about me, like the next week on your podcast. So that was really cool. And it was wild doing it. Like, I guess I didn't really realize what I was doing at the time. Because I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm making a video about like my financials and how much I have money. And she's like, wait, what? Are you crazy? And I was like, <laughs> wait, should I be doing that? <laughs> and had a moment of like, oh, no, should I not do this? <laughs> but I was like, shoot, I think it's pretty cool. So no one else is doing it. So why yeah. not?
0: Well, I feel like it's important. Somebody has to do it because one of the best things about accounting and the reason I got into it as a career changer is because you can make really good money and you can have actually really decent work-life balance if you set up mm-hmm. things right. And yeah. you know, I was a musician, right? And so um, for me, like getting into bookkeeping and accounting and technology you know, changed my life. Uh, I think more people need to know just how good a living
1: it can be. Um, and you did pretty well in your first year. Yeah, I made, I, I you know, it's been a while since I've, Made that video but you know my first year i think i grossed 90k and i think i took home more money a decent amount more money than i had made in the previous year as an employee so i probably grossed 90 took home 60 70. i don't know costs were a lot less back then mm-hmm. when you're smaller but it was it was amazing and then the next year i pretty much doubled the revenue which was crazy and then this year like it's it's going up even more which i i'm super excited to make the 2023 how much money i made video and i think i think i'm just going to keep doing those videos i don't know uh cuz people are like well once you get to a certain spot and you have employees you know that could cause some drama with you know them seeing how much money you make but i don't know i'm i just i just love the transparency and i think other people appreciate it too and it's such a good video to inspire other people. I'm I'm a normal person. I'm not like some Alex Hormozy or Jason Stats where I can just like chug out work and print money and print money and work so hard and focus. Uh like I'm i I'm a pretty lazy person. I consider myself a lazy person. You know, except between January and April. So, you know, if I like it's funny Jason put a comment on my last video, you know, my yearly Financial video, he's like, if Logan Logan can do it, you can do it too, and that's completely <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's completely true.
0: <laughs> it's funny, but it's true, right? It's like, um, I mean, it's not out of reach. And yeah. I think I think you do undersell your abilities, Logan. I just want to say, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's not easy to be a YouTuber and to do high quality videos like you do, and. So, congratulations! Uh, oh, thanks. You broke the 2,000 subscriber mark. You've done it. Says 73 videos here on your YouTube channel. That's wow. a lot. That is a lot. Um, I don't
1: know how I did that.
0: So, <laughs> listeners, uh, you can pause this right now. If you're at your computer, go subscribe to Logan. Search Logan Graf. Thank you. G R A F, or go to it's. It, the username is Tax Telegraph.
1: Yeah, that's me, and I'm. I'm also planning on launching another channel uh, in, in 2024 that's just Ooh. tax. So the tax telegraph brand has like morphed since I started it. And so I feel like I have to distinguish myself more and, and, you know, have a ta- more of a tax side and more of a firm running side because the two don't really mix. I, because my audiences have, has I've realized my audience is mostly here for, watching me run my firm mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people that that like the tax content that i produce and i still want to make that but i think having a more specific channel two specific channels would would just do better uh, over the long long run
0: yeah makes sense uh tailor tailor what you make to your audience which is actually great just general marketing advice for firm owners like know who you're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing there. Well, let's talk about what you're doing to get ready for 2024. You are a content creator and you're dedicating, uh, when we when we saw each other at QuickBooks Connect, I think you said a day a week now to creating mm-hmm. content. So that means you've got to be really efficient the other days running your practice, especially during tax season, because I, I assume you're going to keep doing the content even while you're doing the returns. Or are you that's taking the it
1: thing. It? I don't know. so i got gary now and he's gonna help me out tremendously so if if gary helps me save enough time i'm gonna create content because it it hurts me not to Mm -hmm. but last year i i didn't really create too much content during tax season and so this will be a new new year to situation where hopefully i have more capacity and that's the goal to continue a video every week but and if i'm creating a new channel so it could be two different videos a week i don't know so I, i'm really considering with the new channel just doing it completely different where maybe i hire an editor and let mm-hmm. an editor edit the video because it's a lot of work i'm sure if you edit like you know oh i remember i did it for years <laughs>
0: We have an editor. Maybe we could uh, we could help you out. Yeah. So please. <laughs> um, <laughs> people don't realize that. Like then, and it, just side note, you know, like if you're starting a podcast, you're starting a YouTube channel, um, budget like four to five times as much time as it takes you to record that video to just edit the thing, right? At least to start. Yeah. I mean, it, my podcast, I, I dedicated a whole day to it. Wow. Because I had to learn how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to edit, and. Eventually, I got it down to like a few hours, but and even then, that's a lot of time when you are when you, when your time's valuable. So we'll f- we're gonna we're gonna sort that out for you, Logan. Okay. I want to make sure that you can keep doing content. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be I'd great.
1: I, that, and I've heard once you get an editor, that completely changes the game for you. So it, it's just that it does. big step for me because I, I enjoy the process of it. So yeah, it's not something I want to give up really.
0: It's not that different than hiring staff, actually, to help you with the bookkeeping or the tax work. It's hard to let go at first. Mm -hmm. But then when you do, when you finally make that leap and you can let go and know the quality is going to be where you want it to be, it's such a
1: relief. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know because I'm entering into that space now.
0: Well... Let's talk about the tax side of things. And in terms of the mix of your services and your firm, is it all tax? Do you do any bookkeeping work or client advisory or client accounting services?
1: Yes. I- I'm probably like 75% tax right now where my income's coming from and the rest mm-hmm. bookkeeping, accounting type services, advisory type services. And I'm slowly growing the accounting services side and producing the tax side i don't know like people keep signing up to get their tax return done and i keep raising the prices and it's just like all right well we're just going to keep raising the prices (laughs) because i need more i need more time and if i'm adding all these 1040s that's gonna not help my time between january and april or you know the rest of the year even though i tell new clients you know to expect to be extended these days. So I guess that does help. But when you started, what were you charging for a tax return? Yeah, I was probably charging like 450 when I first started. And it, I think I went up a little bit that, you know, I started 2020, mid 2020. And then like closer towards the end of the year, I, I probably bumped it up to like 550 or so. And then maybe like in in the heat of tax season, I might have bumped it up a little more, and then so I'll, I'll I'll bump it up in stages almost, and it's it's basically I get to a point where I'm like shoot like I don't really want to add a new tax client, and but I will at this price, and so yeah, it's also all about like supply and demand. Really, is how my pricing is, which I don't think a lot of accountants go by like they kind of no. go by what's the guy down the road charging and like the demand is there for me because i have another cpa down the road that refers to me exclusively on his website and guess what he 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 lists his minimum not many other firms do he lists his minimum like 1500 and mine's like 1200 right now to get in the door and so I look like a steel and he's completely, he says he's completely filled up. Wow. And so it's almost like, go ahead. Well, you started at 400, $450
0: <laughs> for an individual return. And now you're three years later up to 1200? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I that's, a, that's incredible, Logan. Is that 400%? Like, I, mean, I
1: don't know. Yeah? I, I can't do math, 300, 400%. I guess three times as much, right? Yeah. So uh,
0: whatever that is, 300%. Um, Yeah, that's that's amazing, and you're doing it, and you're not getting, I mean, you're still getting clients, right? Still getting clients,
1: like over the past few weeks at that twelve hundred mark, advertised. You know, I've I've had like five new client meetings show up, and guess what? I charge for new client meetings too, and I don't credit that fee back in. So it's almost like new client meetings are a revenue stream. And I've I've thought about having a service line where I just review your tax return. So like taxpayers that have their returns done by other professionals or that mm-hmm. do it themselves and they just want like a look through, like someone goes through it and makes sure like it seems all right Yeah, and charge like 300 bucks for that. I don't know. And have some caveats like, hey, you know, has to fall under certain jurisdictions. You know, if it's an Ohio return, good luck not doing that. But oh. you know, if it falls under certain guidelines for the return that fits my expertise, then, uh, you know, maybe it takes 30 minutes to an hour to review it. Maybe they provide some context for their work papers on how they did it. So I can, you know, follow along and that, and then provide some sort of summary on the, on the back end Then so they know if it's right or not. And then if I see anything wrong, well, I just created some work for myself potentially, and like, hey, here's, here's how to fix it. Here's how much mm-hmm. it would cost. So I'm I'm really curious about doing that. And uh, I was. You said to, okay. you've
0: already started doing the. You charge for a consultation initial.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How
0: much do you bill for that?
1: I do 150 for 40 minutes. Okay. And I actually had it at 200 at one point, and then no scheduling with me. Right. And I was like, okay, I think that's a little high, so we'll drop it down a little bit. <laughs> and that's okay at the time i was like if no one signs up it's perfectly fine right <laughs> and
0: wait well, you're paying attention to the <laughs> economics of it the supply and the demand right if nobody's buying lower the price see what happens <laughs> right yeah, it's, yeah. Makes sense
1: so it's a 40 minute meeting yeah. and i do prep so i i collect their up to two tax returns recently filed tax returns i'll review them and make yeah. sure they're you know they look okay. Sometimes I'll find mistakes, which is awesome. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, you're, these are returns are good. And then I also make sure like their returns are within the, mean, like, the type of returns that I want to prepare so I can get some clues on their activity. Okay. And that helps me be able to price them well. I do like to price uh, based on the, the customer versus uh, I think Ron Baker used to call it like price on the portfolio. Um, so if it's like, you know, a person that makes a lot of money, I'm not going to give them a fee, the same amount as someone who makes way less money essentially. And just like the, the risk involved with preparing a return for someone that makes a lot more money is a lot more higher and there's a lot yep. more value to them when you prepare the return because they have a lot, a lot more, uh, ch- opportunities to save more money. And their, their savings goes a lot further because their tax rates higher. And their time is valuable. So they don't want to be wasting their time.
0: This episode of the Earmark Podcast is sponsored by ShareFile. ShareFile is a secure, easy-to-use technology that helps you deliver a modern client experience and streamlines your document-heavy workflows. ShareFile makes it simple and secure to work with clients and enhances your internal processes to improve overall satisfaction and experience. With ShareFile, you can provide easy-to-use client portals, accelerate PBC list process, simplify client communication, deliver e-signatures, and so much more. Whether you're working in the office or remotely, ShareFile lets you seamlessly collaborate with clients and streamline repetitive tasks, all securely and in one tool. ShareFile also integrates with your existing processes and is optimized for tax, audit, and advisory engagements in mind. It helps firms like yours keep your teams close and your clients even closer. ShareFile helps you enhance client onboarding, Organize and simplify document collection and orchestrate secure document exchange. It gives you complete visibility into document workflows that speed up client services and ultimately helps your firm work more efficiently with less resources. If you're ready to elevate your client's expectations and your firm's efficiency to the next level with ShareFile, head over to earmarkcpe.promo slash ShareFile. That is earmarkcpe.promo forward slash S H A R E F I L E. So we're already into pricing, and in your live stream on this topic, you mentioned that you start preparing for the new tax season by looking at your client list and looking at your pricing. So walk us through your, your thought process on that when you analyze prices. How do you decide if you're going to increase a client's fee? You said it's individualized. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, how many clients do you have? It m- might take a lot of time, or does it not?
1: Yeah. So during tax season or while I'm preparing their return, I'll make a note to where I'll see their, what I'm billing them at. And I make sure like, okay, was this worth it to me? Like the amount of work I'm spending on this return, the amount of emotional uh, energy I'm giving them and strain potentially, maybe they're a difficult client to work with. Am I having to follow up a lot with them? Are they, do they follow instructions? Well, And then i look at their price and if and if it doesn't match up and it's not valuable to me then i'll write down that price what i think would be valuable to me and compare it to what i'm charging now and somehow bridge the gap there a little bit and so i do this i've done this the last couple years so 2022 is when i did a huge tranche of clients like i'm looking at my spreadsheet and so, so you
0: took notes last year while you were doing the returns and 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 decided basically what it should be this year
1: already. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. When the emotions are are, are there. Yeah. And you're, when you're the, feeling the pain. When I feel the pain. Because <laughs> yeah. now if I were to look at it and be like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure it was Yeah, it's, it's easy.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After the marathon, right? It doesn't feel so
1: difficult yeah yeah and so twenty twenty two i i did like over forty clients where I sent out a price increase average increase was fifty percent and, and like what
0: percentage of your clients got a price increase
1: uh technically all of them mm-hmm. well like some got a standard thirteen percent and some got like a three hundred dollar increase two hundred dollar increase. That was that was kind of the average, like around a three hundred dollar increase, which is pretty big. Okay. Uh, so so you when did you and when did you tell
0: them you're gonna increase the price for next year?
1: So so this year are you talking about this for twenty twenty three? Yeah, so
0: a twenty twenty-three tax year, mm-hmm. right? Uh you're getting ready. Like have you already told them that the price is going up or is this something you're doing yes. now? Okay.
1: Yeah, I was ahead of the game this year and I I knew what it took to to send those emails out and i wanted to do it sooner versus later last year i did it it was like more into i think i maybe sent it out yeah i sent it out in november i guess around this like i'm looking at my my notes and i Mm -hmm. sent out emails like exactly one year ago of price increases uh so this year i sent it out at the end of october and i said you got two weeks to respond to tell me that you're out. I would, Or I said, I would appreciate if you told me by this deadline, if you're out. If you're in, you don't need to respond. And two people, I, I did a way, way less, uh, like the number of clients that I increased by a lot or way less this year because a lot of it happened last year. Mm-hmm. And so I, I only did like 14 or 15 this year. And only two people have said that they're leaving. I expect three people to to not tell me because people are just people just do that. Yeah. They they just ghost you. Uh so and I think if three leave. So right now I've lost uh about twelve hundred dollars of revenue from people saying they're leaving. The the total increase of revenue that I'm gaining is Forty seven hundred dollars. So I have thirty five hundred dollars of work to leave before I actually lose money from uh, the price increases. So that's the beauty of a price increasing the, and now you've the top got line capacity. Yeah, and then you replace those with people that are paying twice as much. Yep. So one one new client could probably replace two clients that leave. Which is yeah. makes it makes you way more efficient.
0: Yeah. When you do the math on focusing on price increases versus focusing on cost reductions, the price mm-hmm. increases are always where you want to be. It it
1: makes such a huge difference. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm still like it's still an emotional process to do. And I I'm still like not charging as much as I would for a new client. Like I haven't no. ripped the band aid completely off. Cause it's hard, it's hard to do that to your, to your clients, people that you you care about. I haven't met anyone who hasn't been guilty of that. I've
0: been guilty of it. (laughs) It's, it's, you feel like these are people that have been with me, you know, like, like, can I really charge them twice what they're paying me now? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, it's just, yeah, it is very emotional, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And the thing is like, they probably wouldn't care to leave you. Like, right. Like, some might have some emotional attachment to you, but more than likely they they are gone, like in a in a heartbeat. If they know like their friends charging two hundred bucks mm-hmm. down the road, potentially, um, so like you have to think about it from their angle. How much do they care about you, and then how much are you caring? Why are you caring so much yeah. about it? And just ugh, just gain up a lot of courage to do it. And that's why I've been so transparent about this process. Like last year, I, you know, I told everyone exactly how it went, you know, a lot of, a decent amount of people left last year, but I still came out ahead a lot. And I want to encourage other accountants, other firm owners to do the same because it's a hard process. They need like some encouragement to do it and know that it's going to be okay Mm -hmm. on the other side because we're... we're yeah we're
0: afraid we're afraid that we're <laughs> gonna lose all our clients and we're gonna lose revenue and it's gonna hit our bottom line but uh it I've never heard of anyone increasing prices well i guess i I have heard of one one listener on my podcast increased prices and lost like ten percent of their revenue net but mm. but they had done it like they had way underpriced the clients for a really long time and did a massive increase
2: mm-hmm. and that's
0: that's where you get people that are just like angry then even if they're not. They've been way underpaying for a long time. If you do it all at once after many years, mm. people are
1: going to get frustrated and leave. Right? Mm-hmm. It's an emotional thing. So yeah, that's hard. That's hard to do something like that. I'm glad I didn't get myself in that situation.
0: You got it. You got to raise the temperature <laughs> gradually, right?
1: Um, <laughs> so,
0: and, and you got to communicate it, right? Like you got to like. It's hard you know, whenever you're raising prices, I get these emails, you know, when my services mm-hmm. go up and mm-hmm. like, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Do you have any tips for how to raise prices and communicate that to clients in a way that, you know, doesn't get them angry or doesn't result in you having to have a tough conversation? Are you, you know, like,
1: what yeah. have you
0: learned after the last three years of doing it?
1: Yeah. So it's not as bad as you think it will be the reactions from clients will not be as negative as you expect them to be unless you're doing that crazy price increase because you've haven't raised your rates in 20 years so <clears throat> but from from my standpoint like i haven't had any clients blow up on me so take that into consideration like even if you don't really communicate it very well you're not going to get a lot of heat from your clients, uh, in my, in my from my experience. Now, I I've created a an email and a template that I've shared with other people. So if those that are listening are interested in it, if you follow me on Twitter and subscribe to my YouTube channel, I know it's salesy, gimmicky, but I'll it's send good. you. It's good. They should. <laughs> I'll send you so that. You we'll learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the exact same thing I sent my clients. And it's very it's and it's an email. A lot of people will will call. And I'm a millennial. And I hate talking to people on the phone. No offense to any of them. But like it something in our blood just doesn't like picking up the phone and like calling someone takes tremendous amount of energy for me at least. So uh sending out an email or you can make a video of it yes if you want to be more personable and it can either be you calling them by name so individual videos if you really really care about it and want to provide some excellent customer service i was at the point where like i like these people i'm going to send an email that's pretty neutral and be be real with them a little bit but not be completely real with them so uh, it's, it's a pretty like standard email. It's, it doesn't go into real depth on like the whole, you know, like I'm dying here in my firm and I need less clients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They don't, they don't want to know that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's oh. very approachable and, uh, like it's, it, it's worked well and two people have left and, pretty much everyone that has left the last two years because of those emails are from clients that, like, took up the most amount of time and were paying the least amount of money, like the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, amazing to have all those clients leave. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, that was perfect. That worked out perfectly because the goal of these price increases are to, Hopefully, you know, reduce those clients. Yeah. And it's a really increase capacity. So yeah. it's like not a, every
0: client's equal. Yeah. Oh.
1: Some some uh, I care about and I didn't want them to leave. Uh, but they left, but that's okay. Yeah.
0: Uh so one of the other things you mentioned that you're doing that's unusual in our profession is you're working on getting more upfront payments. Mm. Instead of charging people after you file the return or before you after you complete the return before you file, mm-hmm. which seems to be what most people do, mm-hmm. you're doing upfront. Um, how much of your client base is going to pay you upfront this year, and and are they paying fifty percent, seventy five percent, one hundred percent? How do you how are you mm-hmm. setting it up?
1: Yeah, Blake. So this past year, I started to dabble in it. I did a, I just did like a hundred fifty dollar deposit when you sign the engagement, and. Uh, And if you, depending on the package you chose, like if you basically, if you chose my middle tier package, you'd have to pay up for those services all up front. So year round access for quick questions and IRS notices assistance. And so you had to pay a pretty big chunk of money right up front because if I'm providing those services throughout the year, I think paying for it up front makes sense for that before I would spread it out over 12 months and that just created like an administrative nightmare and Cause a lot of pain because clients would be like, all right, it's November. Why am I still getting charged by you? And I'm like, well, it's because you right. chose the the subscription and there's like two more payments left. It's okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of that because people yeah. don't read the agreements that they sign. And so I think paying all up front. Uh, and so this next year and uh, 2024 for 2023 tax returns, I think I'm going to do either a hundred percent up front. Or 50%. Like, I think I'm leaning more towards just go 100% because the admin of doing, you know, that means I just have to go into ignition and and click more buttons and I don't want to do that. So, um, there may be an instance where I still have to charge them for, you know, something that was out of scope or like, you know, something new happened or, you know, that, you know, the return was more complicated. So I charge them again and that's okay. But if I can get all of the money up front, then like no, no pay, no play basically is how it's going to be this next year. And it's hard. It's like a, it's a hurdle to get over because you're like having, you know, looking forward to that money that's coming in because you did the work is like motivation. So like, Oh, as soon as I do this return, I get paid. And I thought like, well, what happens when I'm already paid? Am I going to want (laughs) to work? Like, (laughs) i think i joked on my live streamer was like do i just january 1st all the money comes in all the deposits do i just leave the country and just ghost everybody and never come back
0: i think i think that's happened before yeah
1: people do that oh god i
0: think i think it has um but generally it would be like a uh you know retail tax prep
1: Uh uh kind of place Liberty tax, yeah.
0: It could so. be a story for Oh My Fraud, the uh, <laughs> Greg Kite and Caleb Newquist podcast. Well, you, you hear the story of
1: Logan Graf, just... Yeah,
0: just absconded with all of his <laughs> client tax deposits. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I think I think, well, I mean, what you're doing there is smart because you're saying to your clients, look, if you want me to do your return, you know... Pay me now, and, and, and that way you know how many you actually have because they've committed the money. Yeah. It's one thing to say, Yeah, I'm going to have you do my tax return. It's another thing to actually have them pay. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder if when they pay up front 100%, it motivates them to get you the information you need to do the return more. Oh, right? yeah.
1: I'm hoping that happens. Like, I've already yeah. paid this guy money. I need to get my stuff in because I have yeah. like five to 10 returns where I still don't have anyone's information for 2022 tax year, like, am I preparing a return? You pay me a deposit, what happens? What happens now? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, and then now you're gonna have to help them sort out the
0: fines and the penalties and <laughs> it just creates more work for you. Mm-hmm. And they, they probably aren't happy to pay for that.
1: Yeah, so I, i've I've heard from other colleagues that do 100% upfront for tax yeah. returns is to almost like have a separate account that the money goes into. And then when you do the return, you move that money over that's more accessible. Like a so trust account. Yep. Right. So it's more accessible. Like, so there is that hurdle of like, okay, I haven't earned this money yet. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm like, ah, oh, it's like accounting, like extra accounting work that I have to do. So, maybe yeah we'll see i'm i'm excited to do it and maybe it also helps reduces the client load cuz they're like i don't know they have some sort of weird objection to it and
0: right it's another
1: yeah.
0: it's another barrier to working with you and in mm-hmm. a supply demand mismatch right you right. can ask for this right if they don't want to pay up front they can go find another cpa who will do after the fact
1: mhm and now that but I have that an employee, Go ahead. now that I have an employee, like it's great to have that money available. So I know like I can pay my employee. Like, yes. Instead of burning yes. through cash, waiting for their return to get in. Because mm-hmm. if I'm paying him up until April and they don't give me their stuff until April, let's say, I would never prepare a return that late, by the way. Uh, let's say if they do, well, I'm paying Gary, for three months, and he's not doing anything. And so, like, where's that money coming from? That means I have to be extra careful with my cash flow. Yeah. So, you're sending out proposals
0: via Ignition. Mm-hmm. Have you started doing that yet? Are they going out? When are they going out?
1: My initial goal was December 1st, which is a week from Friday. So, or a week in and in a couple of days from now. And, you know, it's holiday season. I don't know if that's a good goal for me so i might extend it to middle of december and say hey you got two weeks you got till january 1st to to sign Mm -hmm. and have have some sort of timeline component just to get people on the ball Uh, just because that just helps everything flow much nicer because if you're waiting until february to get an engagement signed that that just means you're spending that mental energy thinking about them on if they're going to sign it or not or come back and that creates just extra time in, in your life. And I don't, I don't want that. So I think I, I, I saw Laura Lynn Wilson kind of do this. She's like, Hey, if you don't have it signed by then, you're not, you're like not, I'm not working with you. Right. <laughs>
0: and you can do that in the software. You can set the proposal expiration date. So it's, if you want to work with me, sign by this date, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Or you and can withdraw cr- them. Yeah. Yeah. Just like be like, whoop, sorry. It's gone. The time Uh, is gone.
0: (laughs) Well, And maybe, I mean, have you thought about, you said that during tax season you raise your price sort of informally, but I mean, could you not also say like, hey, if you don't sign by this date, like the prices go up starting in January every month, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's been a feature request like, hey, can we increase the fees automatically if they don't sign within a specific amount of time? Because that would be cool. and that's something that's something I should definitely consider to to get them to sign as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. I mean that's basically how software sales work, where like a good salesperson will always create pressure, like time pressure to sign. Like, okay, this this pricing is only good until the end of the quarter, right? And then mm-hmm. it resets, right? Because we're trying to meet our goals. And like we can do that in accounting too, right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason. Yeah. Otherwise, pricing otherwise so it goes fun. to the bottom of somebody's list, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't think, I think accountants need to be trained more on, on pricing. Like I would, I would love <laughs> to help lead that charge of, of pricing. Uh, Blair ends, uh, he wrote when without pitching manifesto also wrote this book called pricing creativity. And he, he, it's almost like a booklet, I guess, uh, Garrett Alexander, recommended it to me he's with game on financial they do like accounting and taxes for uh, content creators and he recommended this book and it's 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 amazing and like we just need that book for accountants, essentially yeah uh, to get more creative with pricing because we're we're so we're so logical and linear and don't introduce any psychology at all when we price or at least most of us don't and, and it's all psychology. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're that, so, like, cost accounting-wise. <laughs>
0: and and I, th- I feel like the biggest barrier is,
1: for accountants in general,
0: to generalize, is that we want to have just one price. We want to know this is the right price. Mm. But even for an individual, like, if you're pricing one client, there's a range of prices that might work for them. And so, one way I deal with this personally is I'll say, okay... What is the least I would ever charge this client? Hmm. Like what is my lowest price? And then what is my like highest price I could say to them without laughing?
1: <laughs>
0: right. If I'm if I'm on a call with you, Logan, and I'm pitching you on my, I don't know, consulting services or something, right? What is the most I could say and not like giggle um, or be embarrassed or or worry about you just like getting up and leaving? Right. <laughs> um and so then then you're price that you actually go for is going to be somewhere in between those two right and ideally closer to the high price than the low price mm-hmm. and like just doing that exercise like for every client i feel like helps you know get to that number that you actually say out loud mm-hmm. and unfortunately a lot of time the number we say out loud is the lowest price
1: Hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so. it's weird like why can't we be brave uh live when we say that price
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little scary, right? I mean, and this is the thing about negotiation is if you're, your client is a business owner, I think that's the hard part is a lot of times our clients are entrepreneurs, and they're skilled in the art of negotiation. <laughs> so here we are, we've never been trained to do this. And now we're having to basically negotiate uh, with somebody who has been doing this a lot more than us most of the time. Mm-hmm. So
1: that's that's scary. It's always yeah. When whenever clients do push back with me, I'm like, "Whoa, I'm not prepared for this." Like, yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: well, you know, this is something that um, AI chatbots are fun for, is uh, practicing negotiation. Or, oh. like, you could actually use like Claude or ChatGPT to like practice. Like, okay, uh, here's the scenario. You know, can you help me? How would you handle me? this? Yeah, how would you handle this? Or even just like paste in the email from the client if they're pushing back and say like well, how do i respond to this
1: wouldn't it, it might- be great if we had that sort of assistance while we're we're live like it's listening to us it listens to the client as well yeah there may be some ethical things about around that but you can like us? look t- you can look to the side and, and it just types in like yeah all right Here's the prompt, what to tell them, like as, oh my a, gosh. as a rebuttal. like a live. Logan, I think we just came up with like the next great AI tool for accountants
0: <laughs> right here is the live, the live negotiation sales coach.
1: Yeah. It's like, no, don't do that. It yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. gives you live feedback. Yeah. Like, like red alert, red alert. Now You're offer... totally blowing this sales call.
0: <laughs> Abort, uh-huh.
1: like just leave.
0: Just leave. It just ends the call. If if you if you go way off track, it just ends the call. It's a courtesy disconnect.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're sorry. We're no longer a good fit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh man. So uh, going back to the upfront payments with ignition, are you going to require the payment when they accept the proposal? Always.
1: Do you take credit cards? Yeah. Uh, so last year, I bumped up. Thirteen percent for everybody because I knew, and I wasn't going to give them a cash discount. Well, ACH discount, and because I was tired of doing admin work, trying to figure out, okay, they they paid with ACH. What's the discount on that? Yeah, and um, it was stupid. I was stupid, but um, and so I was like, all right, I'm not doing that discount anymore. So I'm bumping everyone up thirteen percent. It was going to be ten percent, but I knew everyone would switch their credit cards since so that 3% covered that and so it's kind of a chess move almost and i i shielded it as um like inflation you know uh so it's kind of I always blame inflation
0: that. you know inflation gives us a hard time <laughs> we should benefit from it too right,
1: <laughs> that's, yeah. right. Yeah. that's right yeah why not and so where was I going with that, Blake? Oh, the the credit card fees. So this yeah. year, Ignition released a sweet feature where the if clients choose a credit card, it gives them a little prompt like, hey, there's gonna be a X percent of of the fee going. Yeah, yeah. To you can pass it through.
0: Card. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna
1: do that? I, I think I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure I am because uh, credit card fees like my ignition software cost for this year is like dribble amount because yeah. everyone selected credit card. Even though I you know I I netted it with price increases. Clients can choose now to take the hit and it helps me like not have to figure out like, okay, if they do pay with credit card, what would I charge them? Instead I can just give them the price and then they deal with it on their end. And you can select what percentage it's it's a firm wide percentage so you can't like select what percentage for each client but it's like you it'd probably be like a three percent fee that you can pass down to the client yep and that's probably what i'll go with and it's funny
0: there's a lot of debate about whether or not you should pass through the credit card charge and i think Mm. in theory like like a, a pricing expert or will tell you that it's best not to charge the mm-hmm. extra fee mm-hmm. that it psychologically, you know, lowers your like total business, right? You'll make more in the end if you don't. But I feel like that might not be true if you pair it with the ACH option. So if somebody doesn't want to pay the fee, they can always pay with ACH. And they're a business, so they've got a business account, right? They can do it and it's not hard. So I right. feel like I feel like that's good. If you have the ACH option, it's okay to pass through the fee.
1: Yeah. I that's I can to my gut see that. feeling uh like giving customers multiple avenues for paying you always increases the rate of closing i believe and so our customers going to see that surcharge as like a barrier to working with me mm-hmm. there's some there's some clients that are heavy credit card like credit card dependent unfortunately and can they afford to even do ACH which is worrisome mm. but like would would that fee be a non-negotiable for them so
0: i guess they can always we'll tell you out. right and then you can yeah. decide on a case by case basis what to do
1: <laughs> yeah
0: if, yeah, we'll if they're arguing <laughs> with you over 3% they're probably not the best client right
1: right, right. right. and if they yeah. get it back on the wards the cash right. back. Then... So they can
0: go take that trip to Europe and not have enough money to pay their bills.
1: <laughs> Y'all were just talking yeah. about that on on the podcast, like uh, re- the rewards, like the mileage versus rewards. And I think yep. you just were like, I'm just doing the cash back. Like, I found <laughs> it took up so much
0: my time to try to like game the system, to use those miles. I just simplified my life and now I just yeah. have a cash back card. And- you know, whatever, maybe I'm losing out on like an extra 1%. Uh,
1: All
0: right. But like, to me, that, that time was not worth it. And the IRS says it's tax-free. The cash right? rewards, I guess. I mean, if the miles are tax-free, right? The cash rewards should be too. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me about it and I don't <laughs> do my own tax returns. So. <laughs> Hopefully my preparer isn't listening. <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. Right, but that's not something that like is like. Did you receive any like? I don't get a ten ninety nine for my cash back rewards from my credit card company.
1: Right. Yeah. Like there was a court case that pretty much said like it's not taxable. There was yeah. some circumstance where they are like gaming the system. I think with gift cards.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you know there, was a, there was a, there was a case where um it was. Are you talking about American Express? Maybe there there was like a situation where amex was like aggressively signing up business owners for their corporate cards and like they had a presentation that they had formally given like that like that they would, were doing where it was like here's how to basically here's how to evade taxes with your put everything for your multimillion dollar business on this card right and then we're going to transfer the points to you personally uh that's what they were doing. They were taking the points from the business and transferring it to the individual who was then cashing mm. out the points and making, you know, tens of thousands or even hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands
1: of dollars. Mm. And I yeah, feel like that's
0: that—that's when they got yeah. in trouble.
1: Then the IRS is like, that's like a business right there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We're taxing <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> you know, pigs get, what is it? Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't it'd be don't, like that.
0: Okay, so upfront payments, in order to do these upfront payments, you got to know what you're going to charge the client. I guess for returning clients, that's not bad. You've already repriced them and stuff. For new ones, you have a a productized package offering on your website. Mm -hmm. It looks like you have three tiers. Mm -hmm. There's the compliance tier, which is, you know, I do the return, right? That's Mm -hmm. no advice, really, right? No planning. And then you have this, these other tiers where you don't put the pricing on. You have collaboration and concierge. Yep. So tell me about that those packages. Are those new this year? Is that something you have been doing? Like how's that going?
1: Yeah, I'm I think I'm pretty much keeping them the same. And the The big distinguishing factor between last year is getting paid up front for everything. Well, the thing with with business returns, though, business entity returns, I do allow payments to be spread out over the calendar year, depending Mm. on when they sign. So it could be 12 payments if they sign in January. And I do that because those fees are a lot higher. And... I'm okay with with getting paid over 12 months because it also helps spread out the cash flow. So I'm getting paid in November and December.
0: <laughs> and I assume that with most of those returns, you're extending them, right, and not doing them until
1: September or October. Yeah, a decent amount. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing them in the middle of the year. So it, it's okay to spread those out. But with 1040 is getting paid all, all up front. But yeah, with my packages, I... I try, to, I try to design my packages to where the middle package is the best looking one and the least amount of work. So <laughs> I try to maximize profits, minimize capacity, essentially with that middle package. Because mm-hmm. if you put too much in that middle package and everybody signs up for it, you have a lot of work to do. And the way I design the pricing is to make it valuable, or you know, seem like a lot of value for something that won't cause potentially that much more work, but is still valuable in the client's eyes, in the customer's mm-hmm. eyes. I'm not trying to rip people off. Okay, no, but, that's important. But
0: you're doing you're doing price anchoring, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a classic exactly. strategy where the highest tier, which is the concierge, which is everything, all the bells and whistles, is pricey right and mm-hmm. some people want that and they'll pay for it but most people that's overkill but just by having that really expensive price there y- it makes all your other services seem like a deal in comparison right
1: yeah, yeah exactly it's like, i'm really proud of <clears throat> so my i have like two two separate proposals for personal and business and i'm really proud of my Middle package for my business return clients because I think it's the best bang for your buck on, it, in my opinion, for the client and for me, and that that involves year-round access for me to, to to me for quick questions. So basically, I'll I'll answer any email, phone call, virtual meeting where you have a quick question. So something that doesn't involve you know some in-depth projection work or. In depth scenario running or research, essentially, and so clients can are encouraged to ask me questions throughout the year. So that's great for business owners, and um, then I'll I'll have IRS assistance, notice assistance, where if you get a notice, I'll help address it, and then uh, tax projection as well in the fall. So really, it's like a it's like everything you need as a business owner, in my opinion. And then, but personal level, it's harder to do that because the way I do it is I send out like pretty much all of my personal tax return proposals at once to try to be the most efficient with that. And so I have to create packages where, um, that it suits the, the wide range of, of my clients. And so it's, I have to be a little more limited on what I offer. In that middle package, so the in the middle package with personal, there's no tax projection, mm. uh, because usually if you need a tax projection, you have a business entity. That's kind of been the 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 deal, and that I think that's why I designed it that way. Now in my live stream, I told everybody watching that you could take my basic package, my compliance package for either personal or business, and if you're new to creating packages, you could separate out what I offer in my basic package, compliance package into three different packages because in that basic package, I offer a lot of value in my opinion. So I know I keep saying that, but just want to. It's all subjective. (laughs) It's subjective. So value is subjective. Exactly. If you're, if you're like not, charging that much, if you don't feel like you can charge that much, well, you take my compliance package and you only offer tax return prep. You don't let them be subscribed to my newsletter. You don't do a video summary of the tax return. And right there are, that could be your middle and higher tier packages. And like, I thought about it, I was like, Oh, I could, I could do that. I could separate my basic package for the clients that always choose the basic package. Then I could upsell them with a tax return video summary. But I, I'm at such a high minimum where it's okay for me to include those services. That's that's how I charge so much uh, and how I, I think I believe I can charge so much because I'm providing that value at that basic package. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. One more thing I want to cover before we go, and that's the project tracking system because you mentioned that you have integrated Ignition with
1: your Airtable
0: process. Airtable for tracking yeah. the returns, the status and all that. So like is it is it magical like when somebody accepts the proposal what happens?
1: It it shoots it into Airtable. I have it where it'll it'll shoot the project, all the proposal details into Airtable. So it'll separate all the service items that I've created for that proposal or which one they sign up for so it'll be like tax return accounting uh tax projection other stuff that I need to track that will have deadlines and it'll it'll separate all that into Airtable and I can customize what I see and I can create all these different views on you know here's all my tax return projects here's all of my projects that I've assigned to my contractor or my employee Here's all my non-tax return projects that I need to take care of, and it's a Frankenstein operation. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd recommend it, doing it this way, because now that I have, I'm building my team. Like I have to figure out now how I'm gonna like give them access to it and right. to only be able to see specific sections of it. But what I, if I can get even more creative, I. All right, I want to this before year end, before my, you know, proposals start getting accep- accepted, is to be like once a project does get into there, it'll create different timelines so I can track things better. So it's mm-hmm. it's really easy to track tax returns because it's like a one off deal, right? Like it's you're extended, and you're not extended or you're extended. So there's two different deadlines. But when you have like monthly accounting work or maybe quarterly accounting work. I need to create an automation in Airtable where if it sees a specific service that was accepted, it then creates, let's say, four different timelines or 12 different time tasks that where I can track that project. Mm. So I just need to get in there and nerd out. So it sounds like you're planning on
0: sticking with Airtable, not considering accounting practice management software at this time?
1: Right now. And next year, I'm going to h- highly consider... Uh, ClickUp, because oh, yeah, yeah. I think ClickUp has a similar interface and similar capabilities. That, yep. but it makes it more like user to use for for team teams. So yeah, I was a
0: big Asana user for years, and then ClickUp came along and became like the new Asana. But oh yeah, I, I used it for a little while, and uh, it's pretty pretty impressive what you can do with it.
1: Okay, Yeah. cool.
0: I know Brandon Hall uses it at the real estate CPA. At least he did last year, I think. Probably yeah, he uses it, that's like enough confirmation that yeah. I should probably use it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard great things. It's funny, it's it's really interesting. Like We have all of these practice management solutions mm. in accounting, but then there's also the general purpose software. And I find when I talk to firms, there's just a huge variety. Maybe half are using the specific. Mm. Or no, it's more like a third have nothing or no, maybe it's half of nothing. <laughs> half have nothing at all. And then like a quarter have some accounting specific thing, like a carbon or a client hub or a financial sense, right? And then the other quarter are just using general purpose, teamwork, ClickUp, Airtable. Um, nobody has won this market yet.
1: Nobody. Nobody. And like, is it possible?
0: Maybe not, uh, because everybody has a different way of running their firm and has different
1: requirements and you can't possibly solve them all so like why not why not like why not right like, like i've been dying i'm tired of all these softwares all these apps like i have app i have uh change fatigue improve no i called it improvement fatigue yeah i'm tired of improving with these apps and like well, constantly having to do that
0: <laughs> and i'm sorry to say that as you grow your firm it gets harder because then you have to train everybody, and mm. then once you've trained everybody and you've got data in the system, switching becomes a huge cost, so yeah like, you, you only want to ever have to switch practice management software like once. <laughs> you know, I did it, and, and I only had a firm with say twelve people in the system, right, and it was still like switching out was so so bad, yeah, but we had to, you know
1: Oh so. I'm really tempted to try to do something with the Microsoft ecosystem. Yeah. Because if you can get one ecosystem to to do everything, then it theoretically makes things simpler. But yep. the Microsoft ecosystem might not do specific things that I want it to do.
0: It's getting better, though. I mean, Ashley Francis is like the huge champion of Microsoft. And like just listening to her talk about what you can do with Power Automate and all that these days, I mean, it's getting easier now with AI. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the way to go is just go all in with the Microsoft. I'm a Google apps person personally, mm-hmm. which has always been a point of tension for me mm. <laughs> with, you know, anything accounting because like yeah. I, I've used it ever since college and I love Google workspace. And I just like, I can't, I can't use outlook. I can't do yeah. it. Like I, I, <laughs> I and it, it's, it's, I know I could, right. If I, but I, maybe I'm getting too old now and I can't learn new things. Like I've reached that stage in my life.
1: But Like Adam Grant, like, what did he say? like, if you're, if you've been a tax accountant for 20 or 30 years, like the newer accountants know more than you, know the new tax laws more than you do, because the older you get, like the less you want to learn new information or something yeah. like that. I don't know. It was, it was,
0: he was one of the speakers at QuickBooks Connect. I unfortunately didn't get to see him.
1: That's where I got that from. Cause he was mm-hmm. like talking about, he's kind of burning uh, all these older preparers like, Hey y'all. Y'all yeah, learn like learning new things.
0: <laughs> it's hard. I mean, everything's changing so much all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess all the tax changes. Like yeah. and you came you came into starting your practice when I think everything was really all the shit was really hitting the fan. <laughs> right? Like that must have been wild. With like T C J A was... and all that.
1: Yeah, it was that was a little bit before I started, but that was yeah. still like relatively fresh. Like, hey, how do we account for this still? But I was just watching, a, I was doing research for a video that I'm going to make uh, tonight, hopefully. Um, it was like this 1940s video of like, what a, what are accountants and what are bookkeepers? And they actually did a great job explaining the two. Like, here's what a bookkeeper does. Here's what an accountant does. Here's what A public accountant does and it's in the 40s and not that it's changed very much but even then i posted a clip of it on twitter today but even then they're like the tax laws are complicated to where no one nobody knows what should be counted as income and and expenses (laughs) like even back in these they're like yeah man taxes are complicated (laughs) <laughs> like, think about and it. it was a piece of cake by comparison <laughs> yeah think about it now like yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> it's so bad now
0: have you have you tried the um cap cut plugin for chat gpt no to make to make videos should i uh, it's it's kind of hilarious um so like can I show you this Please. right now since we're at the end of the video and the education has ended and now this is just the fun part. <laughs> we've we've reached our CPE requirement here. Um I want to see if I can share my screen and then uh I and I'll share the tab audio here. So like you want you're going to make a video, right, about bookkeepers versus accountants.
1: <laughs> so like um I'm that's not wanna, my video but the video that I was watching was about that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's we could actually like try to use ChatGPT to make one. Okay. And I, I think, um, let's see. So the prompt is we got the CapCut plugin turned on here. And then, you know, the, the video editor uh-huh. suite. So we can say like, um, you know, write a script. Uh, I don't know, 200 word script about the uh, the differences between an accountant and a bookkeeper use um words you know like make it so a 12 year old could understand you know then then make the video in CapCut, <laughs> and you just type that and then it's going to draft a script using its knowledge
1: yeah 200 words should be should be pretty simple for it
0: like a minute or two right so it's drafting the script here and it's got a few paragraphs all right, let's make the video using this script. And now theoretically, ChatGPT is going to go to the CapCut uh-huh plugin and it's going to actually
1: create. They're going to pull B-roll in the, there and and It's
0: it's going to pull in B-roll. Narrate it? Yes. So here it goes. It's using CapCut.
1: I mean that that what they're what it's talking about in the script was pretty similar to that 1940s version.
0: We could, I should have asked it to do it in a 1940s style.
1: <laughs>
0: it could probably do that too. Okay, so here's the video. I click the link, and now we're opening up capcut.com.
1: Can you make revisions?
0: You could, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you log in. So now it's loading the video.
2: Hey there. Today, we're going to explore the differences between an accountant and a bookkeeper in a fun and easy way. Imagine you have a piggy bank where you keep all your money. Now, let's see how a bookkeeper and an accountant would help you with your piggy bank. First, meet the bookkeeper. Think of a bookkeeper as your piggy bank's best friend. They keep track of every coin you put in or take out. They write down when you saved money from your allowance or spend some on a new toy. Bookkeepers are super organized and make sure every penny is accounted for. Now, let's talk about accountants. <laughs> an accountant is a wise advisor for your piggy bank. They look at what the bookkeeper has written down and then give you smart (laughs) advice. They plan how to save more money or explain how much you can spend on treats. (laughs) Accountants use their special skills to make big decisions about money. So, in short, bookkeepers keep track of the money details. And accountants use those details to help make smart money choices. Both are important, and they work together to keep your piggy bank happy and full. All right, Logan, what's your verdict? That's
1: awesome. (laughs) I was like, "Why is this so basic?" Then, because I remember you said for a twelve-year-old to understand, was for like, a twelve-year-old okay, to understand, that yeah. makes complete sense now. That was awesome. Well, it makes
0: It. it, it I think it, it it helps when you make it for a twelve-year-old to understand, considering that the the video is about at the level of what a twelve-year-old could make. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, think about it. like this is incredible. Imagine like when we'll be able to make videos about tax topics, and this can help. Oh, right? I'm you so excited.
1: Sp- like speed up your production process totally like the script itself like you could you could just have it produce that script and go from there like I love I I created a video for uh this nonprofit that I help with for that provides summer camp experience for foster teens and I I gave it my script it's like a rules video for camp I gave it my script and I said rewrite this in Mr Beast's voice ah uh, oh. because he's yeah so engaging the kids connect to the kids know who mr beast is most likely and so you can basically feed it something and just be like hey make this like i want to write something and say like okay now rewrite this in ryan reynolds voice cuz you know he's mm-hmm. going to make it entertaining
0: <laughs> that's a good idea i might try that i might try that for my next
1: yeah script It 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 totally resembled it, like the Mr. Beast, like timing, yeah.
0: Well, Logan, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, You too, buddy. Me on this Wednesday before Thursday Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful to have chatted (laughs) with you, and uh, we'll get this out like as soon as we can, so that our listeners can enjoy learning about what you're doing and hopefully uh, get something out of it and do something different themselves before January yeah,
1: they got time to, and, to do something about it yeah hopefully there definitely
0: is time right it's like and and you know I love the holidays because as an accountant you always have an excuse to avoid your family if you really don't want to be like as soon as somebody brings up Gaza you know or like Trump <laughs> you, you know you just like go to go upstairs and say sorry I got to do some uh, prep for my busy season you know <laughs> right like
1: I got in prices
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, Logan. Uh, well, have a have a great Thanksgiving and eat a lot of turkey or Thank whatever you. you eat. I will do. You and, too, uh, Can't wait to see you around again at uh, the next Connect.
1: For sure. Yeah. Talk All to right. you soon.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE offers free NASBA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts, including this one. Visit earmarkcpe.com to download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. That's earmarkcpe.com.